0: Let's pray now. Father, we thank you for this day that you have made. And you call us to rejoice and be glad in it. And many rejoice because it is Mother's Day. But others don't have a reason to rejoice today. Or can't find a reason to rejoice. As we go through our days, you call us to be a joyful people. Please today, as we go through 1 Peter, help us to see how that might take place when our days aren't necessarily good. Father, we want to hear you speak into our lives, and so we pray that you would help us to hear now by your Spirit. We pray in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. In our first year of marriage, our apartment was burgled while we slept. We felt violated. Several years later, when we were living with Cass's mum, we were burgled again. Both experiences were unpleasant, even though nothing of great monetary value was taken. The most precious thing that we lost was a small cameo ring that had been given to Cass by her great-aunt. It has great, great sentimental value. I still on occasions look in second-hand stores to see if it might pop up or to see if there's something similar. But no luck. To have that loss is, is hurtful but I can't imagine what it would be like to be the victim of a home invasion, where the loss and the suffering is far greater. Suffering often comes about because we incur a loss, a loss of health, a loss of a loved one. The persecution that some Christians face in our world today is an even starker form still where they have church church buildings confiscated where they have pastors arrested and even lives lost 1 Peter reminds us today of that which can never can never be taken away from us as Christians so we're going to be looking at 1 Peter again today 1 Peter, from chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new hope, In he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the result of your faith The salvation of your souls. I wonder which phrase in those few verses jumped out, had the greatest impact on you as you were listening. Was it grief in all kinds of trials? There is something about grief and trials that we innately want to avoid, we want to escape. Yes, it's okay if others have to endure but not me, thank you very much. Grief and trials draw our attention like a magnet. But did you notice that this phrase is surrounded by these words? Praise, mercy, living hope, inheritance, faith. Praise, glory, and honor, love, inexpressible and glorious joy, faith again, the salvation of your souls, and grace. Where do you think Peter wants our focus to be as we read here? Uh, On the trials or or on the joy? And, And where do we find this joy? Well, Peter speaks to us as refugees today and there are two things that I wish to highlight. Our new life and future inheritance and our current suffering. By God's mercy, by his abundant grace... We who are not God's people, we who are not part of God's family, we who were God's enemies, lost, alone, distant, without hope, have been given new birth, new life, a new future, a new home, and peace with God. Everything that a refugee could ever want or need. Grace and peace in abundance. Peter describes this new birth as birth into a, a living hope, a living hope, a vibrant hope, a hope that has been, it is to grow up in and to live out of. This is a hope that is to shape us and, and to anchor us. It is not wishful thinking. It's not maybes. It's not dreaming. It is sure and certain hope. Because it is grounded there, as you will see in verse 3, it is grounded in historical fact. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead. This hope is not from within us, not dependent on us, not on our strength, not on our goodness, our effort, our potential, our ability, our love, as great or as meagre as that might be. Our hope is in God's unrelenting, unshakable love that he has shown us in his son Jesus. Our hope is grounded in what Jesus has done and what he most certainly will do. Peter, like us, was a doubter, a denier, And wanting to do things in his own strength, his own way. And we saw all those things, didn't we, in the Matthew series last term? Yet he is convinced of this living hope. He is absolutely certain that he has this. There has been a dramatic change in his life. He has seen the risen Lord Jesus with his own eyes. Peter is the recipient of full forgiveness, lavish love, and he knows that this grace is available to all, despite their weak love and meagre trust in Jesus. We see that in verse 8 there. Though you do not see him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, You believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. This hope brings joy now. Peter has experienced that when on the day of Pentecost he received the Spirit. His life has changed. He has been reborn. Jesus, by dying, rising and ascending... Blaze the trail to our new inheritance, our new home. And we follow him. We follow him to meet him there. What a joy, what a glorious future awaits us. Now I'm sure you've all experienced those trips. Those trips. We've all heard or uttered those words. Or both uttered and heard those words. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? This situation in that car that you've been in, that that you've been part of, speaks to our current journey. We are not there yet. We are not at the destination. It also speaks of our destination, our sure hope. Because just as the holiday destination wasn't going to suddenly disappear or be taken away or stolen, it was always going to be there, or that park you were going to, or the shops that you were going to, no one will be able to remove our destination that has been set solid by Jesus, our future inheritance, our new home, because... God, as we see in verse 4, keeps us, is keeping it for us. It can never perish, spoil, or fade. It remains eternally glorious. In the true sense of the word, it is awesome. Awesome! It is awe-inspiring. It is praise, glory and honour-inspiring, as Peter says. Please note that there's a double certainty here, a double certainty, because it is kept safe for us by God, but we too are being shielded by God's power. It is being kept safe for us, and we are being kept safe for it. Again, grace upon grace, abundant grace. What Jesus did, what waits for us is glorious. And so the beginning of verse 6 is most appropriate. In all this you greatly rejoice. And in some some respects that would be a great spot to, to end the sermon, wouldn't it? On a high note. In all of this you greatly rejoice. But the next two words impact us greatly, don't they? Though now, though now. The the future is fine. But we are not there yet. What about now? We do have joy now, thanks to God's abundant grace. And this joy remains for them and for us, though now. What is going on now? On Tuesday afternoon, our little Chilean friend, Letitia, who loves Jesus, was asking me this sort of question. Peter, Peter, why Peter? I say to God, enough! It is enough, God! Enough suffering in the world! Enough suffering for me! Oh, Peter! Peter! Thirteen injections in my back, in my spine. Thirteen and still no relief or pain. I take Votagrin and Nurofen. And and how do you say it? Nothing, Peter. Nothing. You know how hard my life has been, Peter. Why? And I do know how hard her life has been. I do know that as a much younger woman, she was driven out of her home, her country, by the Chilean government. That she came with her young children as refugees. I also know that she suffered at the hands of her violent, cruel husband. And I know, and I know, and I know a lot of Letitia's story. What is God doing now? This little woman who has been through so much who still loves Jesus and prays God, God send your son soon. I know you bring the new creation. What is God doing now? And what are we to do now? I just want to say firstly that uh, persecution is not mentioned explicitly in 1 Peter at all. Persecution may have been one of the trials that these people faced, but it was not the sole focus. And yes, I know that Letitia's life is not your life, but I know that there are no exemptions. There are no exemptions. I know you all have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. I know that. But know this as well. God is always God and God is always good. Our faith is weak and God is graciously using now to strengthen our faith, to prove the genuineness of our faith. Now is not here to destroy us, but to purify us. Now is not here to rob us of our new life, but to prepare us for our glorious new life. Now is not purposeless and out of control. It is in the safe hands of our loving Father. And it will result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus is revealed. Last week we likened our refugee journey to the Israelites' journey through the wilderness to the Promised Land. A 40-year journey where they experienced all kinds of trials and God's abundant grace. Deuteronomy 8 says that all of this was to test their hearts And to produce humility, which only comes with dependence, throwing ourselves by faith day after day, one day at a time, into the lap of God. Growing dependence on our faithful, loving, sovereign Heavenly Father who has given his all for us. How are we to live in the now? We live between the past and the future. Pretty obvious. We cannot live in the past, also, although some people attempt to do so. We can remember the past with either regret or with gratitude. Gratitude. We have a choice to make of how today we view our past. With regret or with gratitude. Likewise, we cannot live in the future now. We can anticipate the future and we can anticipate the future either with fear or with hope. We have a choice to make a daily choice to make, will I look forward in hope because of what Jesus has done or in fear of what might happen? We also sort of live in two worlds simultaneously. We, we live in the world, our inner world, of our mind and our heart. You live in your world. We all live in our world. And into that world, God wants us to have peace. He wants His word, His peace, to dwell in us richly. He wants there to be peace, not chaos. We live in our outer world simultaneously. We live with each other, with the relationships. We live with the creation around us. And God calls us to love. To love. To love each other. To love all. Rather than selfishness. As God is infinite, doesn't have a beginning, doesn't have an end, is beyond time, God exists in the now. His existence is always now. We are made to relate to God now. By His Spirit, He lives in us now. So how do we increasingly seek to to live this life, to live in the now and to live with the trials that are now? Peter encourages us to look to God not our circumstances. We hope in him. We hope in him, knowing that what he has done for us, he does by grace. Peter encouraged us to remember him, to remember that he is with us now. We ask for his help to choose gratitude rather than regret. We ask his help to choose hope instead of fear. We seek to develop a greater attentiveness to what God might be doing and what he might be teaching us about grace in every now. For in God's kingdom... Nothing is wasted. He is with you in pain, sorrow, and heartache. In fact, He weeps with you as you weep. He weeps as He wept over the people of Jerusalem. He is with you in your joys and your celebrations. In Zephaniah 3 it says that God rejoices over you, rejoices over you as he leads you homeward. As we seek to increasingly live what might look a bit like a cross-shaped life, a cross-formed life, Looking back with gratitude, looking forward with hope, seeking his peace within and loving all without. As we do that, we get a taste, a taste of eternal life with God. And as we do that, as we love in that way, we give each other a taste of eternal life with God. But it is ever only, it's only ever one now at a time, one day at a time. Just as each day in the wilderness, the Israelites were given enough manna enough manner to fill them so it was sufficient grace not, not just a taste it was sufficient grace to fill them but it was each day at a time if they grasped for more they lost they lost the manner that they gathered Jesus teaches us the same thing doesn't he When he urges us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Give us grace, Lord, sufficient for today. Fill us with grace today, so that we may meet the problems of today. In your strength. How are we to face disappointments, pain and loss? one day at a time, with God, in the now. You may be familiar with what is commonly called the serenity prayer. It is usually quoted in a form like this. The form I have down here is slightly different. God, give me grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things which should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. I didn't know until earlier this week that there's a second verse. It continues. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. We best live now, one day at a time, Remembering God's presence in every situation, looking for his grace, grateful with what he has done, hopeful with what he will surely do, seeking peace and sharing love. Robert Eamons is described as the world's leading scientific expert on gratitude on gratitude. A scientist who focuses on gratitude. In his research over the years he has discovered the regular occurrence the regular occurrence in people's lives as time moves on beyond the suffering beyond the adversity, beyond the affliction, that as time moves on they are able to see that something good has come from it. New opportunities, deepened relationships, a new sense of community, etc., etc., etc. He calls it the redemptive twist. You might not be surprised to find out that he's a Christian. We know, don't we, that God's plan is a renewal of all things. Complete redemption. Things are are not just better than we think they are. They are infinitely better than we think. Things don't just turn out well, they will turn out indescribably, inconceivably well. Pain, suffering, injustice will not just be redeemed... They will be gloriously, creatively redeemed. Praise be to God for guarding us and redeeming us in every now. We can rejoice now because past, present, and future, our entire lives are in God's gracious, loving, unrelenting care. Living in this broken world is designed by God to produce longing, readiness and hope. We should be joyous, grateful people, considering grace and peace in abundance that we have from God, that he has showered upon us in Jesus Yes, there are trials. But even they will result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who through his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope. A living hope for living now. Let us pray. Father, please plant the words living hope in our hearts and please help us to learn daily and to encourage each other daily to look to you, to look to you in this life with its joys and with its trials, to look to you so that in all things we might know your grace and peace in abundance. And so that we might live as we were purposed to live for your glory and praise. Amen.